0: Welcome to Beauty and the Gi, the podcast about jiu-jitsu and life. I'm Jen Eads, a white belt full of curiosity and questions about all things jujitsu, And I'm AJ
1: Klingerman, a purple belt, and I'm completely obsessed with jiu-jitsu. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, I am. I think you
0: should do the honors of introducing
1: our guest today. Okay, so we brought on this super hot guest today, and I know you can't see him, but trust me, he's super hot. Um <laughs> my husband, James Klingerman. Woo! Yay!
2: Me, <laughs> yeah. me.
1: Welcome to Beauty
2: of the Gee Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So today's a very special day for us. Today we um celebrate 20 years in business.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: It's insane. Not that old. <laughs> I know, right? You definitely don't look it.
2: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's like a rumors going around all of the jujitsu jitsu community that james is a vampire i can see that yeah yeah because he has not aged since we opened the school not true <laughs> maybe body wise looks wise <laughs> he looks exactly the same it's really not fair from the wife perspective right <laughs> he looks the same and i look you know 40 so,
0: no not really <laughs> no you both look like children across this.
1: <laughs> so, um, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: No. No. Okay. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a third degree black belt. I've had my black belt uh, right at 12 years now. So, getting close to that fourth, a couple years to go. We've owned and operated Indiana Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Academy for 20 years. And then we also co-own uh, Endurance BJJ. that's uh, we're at about almost two years now, right? Yeah yeah. Um, we have quite a few businesses together. Thefighthub.com. we sell a lot of products. we've got our own instructional DVDs, etc. also available on streaming and download.
1: <laughs> good, good.
2: Every time I say that, everybody's like, nobody buys DVDs anymore. Not true. It's not true, number one, but it's <laughs> also available on digital media.
1: What else? We run the ego.
2: We run the Extreme Grappling Open. Awesome tournament here in Indy three times a year. And I don't know. We have a dog Moose.
1: Moose is great.
2: He's our Doberman.
1: (laughs) So how did you get started in martial arts?
2: I don't know. I don't. (laughs) I really don't. So I always tell people I was I just I was attracted to it like from day one. You know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to I wanted to fight. And I probably, like I was I was a shy kid, you know, uh, in quotations, like probably today would have been diagnosed with like social anxiety disorder. Like I don't function well in groups, don't like it. Just thinking about people listening to me talk right now is pretty, uh, it's making me sweat. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when I was like, I don't know, 13 or so, my dad dragged me to a karate class and it sucked. Um, we trained for a while, but it, it got me into the you know, into the flow, I was able to kind of go into a group and understood like, okay, I want to do this, not karate necessarily, but I want to learn to fight. And so I kind of, I found a Japanese judo, judo, jiu-jitsu academy and started there. And here we are. Here, here we, we are. are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us just about, so March 3rd, 2000. Yes. It's a million years ago or 20, but uh, feels like a million. That wasn't ours Correct. to begin with. Correct. So tell a little bit about that and yeah, we'll start there.
2: Okay. Yeah. So uh well I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in nineteen ninety seven with a guy named Greg Eldred who was under the Hoist and Orion Association. Met Scott and Eric Sullivan around probably ninety eight, early ninety nine, something like that. And then uh so began kind of co training. So I was, you know, competing, uh representing you know, Greg Elder's Academy, the Gracie Association, but I was training with Scott and Eric Sullivan, probably more. So in 99, late 99, I made the official switch over to that team, which was Mario Roberto at the time. And someone talked Eric into opening <laughs> a, a, a jujitsu school. Because before uh,
1: that it was in a garage. Yeah, we
2: right? were training in his garage. Like yeah. it was not, there was no like public access or anything like that. It was just a few guys that already knew jujitsu, just kind of getting together to train and get better. Once Eric opened the school, March 3rd, 20 years ago, I I was one of the assistant instructors. And then later, later that year, you (laughs) forced me into opening uh, our own thing. Not really forced, but you were definitely instrumental in making that happen. So what was that conversation?
1: (laughs) First of all, it was the most, like, we'd never talked about it, never talked about it at all. And... I don't know what happened. I literally pulled over on the curb in front of a Taekwondo school. I don't even know if I turned the car off. Like it was just the weirdest thing. I just ran right in and was like, are you interested in starting a jujitsu program here? No idea why. And he was like, yeah, actually, you know, we've been talking about, you know, having some of our students do some groundwork and we have a second mat that doesn't get used. And I mean, very tiny little mat space, um, and that was it. It was. I came home and I was like, "Hey, this guy's interested in having us come in and start teaching jujitsu." And we basically just sublet the back room and started our jujitsu program there.
2: You say us? You weren't doing jujitsu at the time.
1: I wasn't really. <laughs> I I had done a couple of classes in the garage. I did a couple of classes in the at the that school at the taekwondo school, but but I am. The National Taekwondo uh, Champion
0: Choreographer. Yes. I'm going to need to hear a little more about that.
1: <laughs> so I've never done a day of Taekwondo in my life. We should start there. Okay. Um, but the instructor came to me one day knowing I was a dancer mm-hmm. and just said, um, would you be interested in choreographing our demo team? And so I did the choreography and they won nationals with it. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why the
0: choreography was so good on that TikTok video
1: <laughs> that we did? No, that we stole from TikTok. That was oh, a TikTok dance already. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, we stole that. See, I don't know sure. the cool.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Yes, yes.
1: But um, <laughs> I, I will post some videos in the near future of some choreography that I've done. So
0: okay, it it mi- just keeps getting better. The more we do this podcast, <laughs> the more stuff I'm learning. Right? It's just interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was. It was completely crazy that I just stopped and did it and I came home and I was like what do you think because we were also so we were living up in northern like Noblesville so north of Indianapolis and the jiu-jitsu school was in Franklin, Indiana. So oh it was my a gosh, drive. So this yeah. is the east side of Indianapolis. It's where we both grew up. We're both familiar with the area and so it was kind of an in-between so he would go to Franklin a couple of days a week and then teach a couple days a week.
2: It was a horrible drive either way. Yeah. yeah. Terrible.
0: Yeah. And no podcast then to
2: listen there to. No right? Podcasts.
1: Exactly. We did a lot of books on tape. Yeah. though. We really did.
2: Tony Robbins cassette tapes. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely.
2: You actually, you stopped in two schools that day.
1: Did I really? Yeah,
2: you. So you said you stopped in two places, um, and the one guy basically was like, "Get out!" <laughs>
1: I blocked that. <laughs>
2: he's like, like "Jujitsu sucks. <laughs> you suck. You're, you're a horrible person. Leave my, leave my dojang.
0: Yep, must have blocked that out. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. never happened. <laughs> so, were you all in with this when she came home and was like?
2: You know, I don't remember, honestly, I was like, oh yeah, go talk to the guy, see what's up. And you know, I remember emailing. So my head instructor, Mario, our black belt, I emailed him. I was like, Hey, I'm kind of got this opportunity. Are you cool with this? And I talked to Eric, who was the owner of Indiana Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I was like, Hey, can, can I start another branch? What should I call it? And he's like, just use our logo, use the name. Like he was super cool. Eric is a phenomenal human being. Love that guy. But, uh, it's pretty much how it happened. we just <laughs> like, I was like, okay, logo. Like we just kind of had everything in place because we used the same name, use the same logo. And and then Eric actually ended up moving from Franklin into like a warehouse that up his here. brother It owned. was, it was oh, yeah.
1: at 71st in Michigan.
2: Yeah. 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 So it was
0: kind of up by our Zionsville school.
2: Yeah. And then after it didn't last long.
0: So what made you think, oh, we should do a second school? Did AJ come home with that idea too? Oh, for
1: Zionsville? Yeah. No, that was uh, much longer. Yeah. We really skipped ahead in some time frame here. We actually had two schools for a while, Okay, which
2: was also a weird thing. From the Taekwondo school, we were there about two and a half years. And then the uh, the owner of the Taekwondo Academy came and he's like, hey, we actually bought this building. It's much bigger. It's a fantastic building. He gives me like, tells me like how phenomenal this building is. And then he says, but there's only one floor. Mm. So there's no room for you anymore. And I was like, okay, well, you know, how, how long? And he's like, oh, you've got two weeks to be out. <laughs> oh so my So we literally yeah. just, we had to close our academy. So one of my students let me teach out of his garage for two months while we found a building to lease. Oh, wow. Um, so we moved, we ended up moving down to Greenwood, which we're still at. So we've been in Greenwood like over 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I taught in, out of a garage for two months. I mean, it basically just wiped the academy out. Like we pretty much had to start all over when we moved to Greenwood. And then, uh, so yeah, I ran there for years. And then one of my kind of students, kind of like old school training partners came to me and is like, Hey, I got an opportunity to start a jujitsu school. Will you come look at this place? Tell me what you think, blah, blah, blah. So we get there and it is the exact same building. The original IBJJ was in like the same suite and everything still had our heavy bag mounts, like everything. (laughs) And, uh, which, you know, he, once we got there, he was like, Oh, I didn't realize it was the exact same spot. And we looked at it and I was like, yeah, man, I think, you know, we talked about it. It was like, I think we can help you out. Like, that would be great. The next day he backed out. Oh no. And AJ and I were like, you know what? It's so cheap. We can do this. And so we went ahead and opened a second location and we had instructors down there. We would, you know, go down sometimes. What do we run? We ran it for about four years. Right. Yeah. And then it just, it got to the point where like, no one cared about it as much as we did, you mm-hmm. know. Guys would show up to teach class, and then they would leave, and it was the guys were supposed to be cleaning. Like the the paid janitor wasn't cleaning, and oh wow, they were all kind of like not telling on each other type uh-huh. deal. So, and they kind of created like a us versus them culture. Like instead of it being one team, one academy, it was like a Southside versus you know, uh huh, yeah, versus James. And,
1: Yeah. And it it was also Indiana Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Like we kept the name. It didn't have a different name. Um, So yeah, it was a very us versus them kind of mentality. It was funny, though, because like we went in one week span from not wanting a second location to partnering that we were going to get a second location to like opening a second location (laughs) in a week. Like it was it was just a whirlwind. And it was good. Like we, you know, we got. We met a lot of people. We got new students from it that then moved to Greenwood once we closed that place. But all in all, it was a headache. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Um, And so how we ended up with Endurance, James's first black belt owned Endurance. He opened it and then fell in love and um, wanted to move to Maryland. So he asked us if we wanted to buy it.
2: And we said, no, no,
1: no, <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no. I was like, not a chance, homie. Uh, I'll give you some money for the pads and the mats. I'll buy all your equipment, but I don't yeah. want the school.
1: And then we were kind of talked into yes. And then you were uh, doing some consulting work. And I had
2: talked a guy out of opening another school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I overheard him on the phone. And when he hung up, we were both like, Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> we forgot. That's why we don't want a second school. And so we were back to no for a while.
2: And then, uh, you know, we, we talked, talked money. And then it, it ultimately it kind of boiled down to, like, we had all these students that would have no home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, it, you know, it was like, man, that, that sucks. So that was why we wanted to figure it out. It, it wasn't a money thing. It was like, we, we want these people to have a home. Yeah. And then one of my black belts, Daryl, came to me and was like hey man i actually kind of want to open my own school and he was teaching for me full-time in greenwood mm. um he was like our head kickboxing coach and you know one of the, one of my black belts that taught that jujitsu when i wasn't around and um i said well how about <laughs> how about instead of you opening a place we just move you over here you know th- th- this is happening and he said nope <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep, he said, no.
2: and kind of walked out and he seemed real mad <laughs> and I was like I don't know what I just did to make him angry <laughs> but then he called me an hour later and was like it would be my honor so. yeah he's doing a great job up there
1: yeah yeah he just had to he, he wanted to talk it over with his family and everything to make sure um, but yeah so it just it all went back and forth a lot before we decided that Yes, it would be a good idea for us to have a second place, and it's not always easy not to be, you know, whatever. But probably hardest on me, mm-hmm. just because yes. I teach at both academies several days a week. You know, like yeah. I, I do the most back and forth, but I, I don't regret it at all. Like I, I love it. I love teaching up there. It's
2: going really well. We love yeah. the people. And yeah, yeah. So we've, we've actually moved. From the the original building we were in, we moved on to the main street. We've got a much bigger, much nicer place. Uh, we've increased the academy, the attendance, and everything by quite a bit.
0: I don't know that I ever would have started if you weren't in right. Zionsville, right? Because yeah. Greenwood's far it's for something that you don't know if you're yeah gonna like it.
1: Yeah, and I mean like you'll you'll make the trip to Greenwood now to right. train, but you might not have had you not already had the bug, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't think it ever would have. Yeah. happened yeah because I think we talked about me doing it and then when you had Zionsville I was like oh well that's really close so there, <laughs> no there goes that excuse now <laughs> thanks <laughs> aren't you glad <laughs> I'm so glad thanks for buying a school there yeah, to you're get very me started very, I, I did it <laughs> just for you
1: <laughs> but I mean like he's right like we wanted you know those were our teammates we didn't yeah. want them to end up dispersed or quitting jujitsu or anything like that. We wanted, we wanted them to have a
0: home. How has it been growing the business from 20 years ago? Was there any other, I mean, other than garages in Indiana, was there really any, that many other places to train?
2: No, not really. I mean, we were the first in central Indiana to have a full-time academy. Um, You know, like I said, Greg, uh, my first jujitsu coach, he's like an engineer or something. He's still got like a really nice job. He, at the time, was teaching twice a week out of a, um, like a basement for, uh, an insurance place in Westfield. Oh, wow! It was a tiny little room, probably, probably not even as big as the room we're in a uh, tiny little room, just in a basement. So I drive an hour plus wow. up there a couple times a week, you know? And so there really wasn't like, you know, you see karate schools and strip malls everywhere, but there was yeah. no jujitsu like that anywhere. So we had the first actual like jujitsu business in Indianapolis, But yeah, we didn't know anything about business at all. Like it was, I was like, guys, I teach jujitsu. Come do jujitsu. Everybody wants to do jujitsu. Like it's the fastest growing sport in the world. Why aren't you doing jujitsu? And and uh, you know, I taught MMA and kickboxing and 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 all the things you know. And Mm -hmm. it just people just weren't coming in. And some people would come in and go, oh, this is hard. I thought I could uh-huh. just do a kata and look in the mirror and like do some dance moves and I'd be <laughs> Van Damme. And-
1: well, people didn't really know, like, you know, so one, we could get people from two and a half hours away to drive to us because they knew what jiu-jitsu was. Right. So they knew the value of James and his teaching. So people would drive from far away, but nobody in the neighborhood behind us was coming. Right. You know, like, because yeah. people just didn't know what jiu-jitsu was. Yeah. So, like you should, uh, the family that came in to learn jujitsu. Oh
2: yeah. So, so this was after we had moved out of the Taekwondo school. We're down in, this is also like, probably I wasn't the best at talking to people and getting them to do jujitsu. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, we've come a long way. Yeah.
2: You know, but, uh, so yeah, so I'm in the middle teaching class one night and good size class and, uh, the for span- the time, for the time. Yeah. For the time. Like, um, And this family's a a mother and her son and daughter, they come in. And so we didn't really, we had a very small lobby, no seats or anything. So they're like, Hey, we're interested in jujitsu. And I said, well, you know, actually I just started a jujitsu class. You guys can come around here. So I had them like sit on a heavy bag on the mat. Uh And I was like, you know, my name's James. If you have any questions, feel free to just kind of flag me down and ask. And so I, you know, I teach a couple moves, people are drilling. And she had maybe asked me a question or something and, I don't know. We get about 20, 25 minutes into class and she flags me over and she's like, Hey, um, when does the jujitsu start? And I was <laughs> like, uh, this is the jujitsu class. And she's like, Oh, and she just stares at me and they're kind of looking at each other. And I was like, we seem confused. Like what, you know, uh-huh. what can I help you with? And she goes, well, we just saw the matrix. And <laughs> in that, he says that he learns jujitsu. Where did they do jujitsu in that? And, I was like, they actually didn't. And she's like, oh, what did they do? And I was like, they did like a movie. Like they were inside a, com- like, yeah, I didn't, I-, I was like, they were in a computer. <laughs> 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 but uh, I was like, oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, for an extra 250 bucks a month, I can, I can tie some like wires to the ceiling and I can push you across. And She was like, nope.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: I'm like, okay, well. So they're not
2: students. We always do a 30 day free trial. Why are you going? <laughs> Bye.
0: What do you think's been that tipping point then that people are now like, oh, jujitsu? I want to go try this out.
2: I don't know what. So MMA, obviously, you know. Yeah, yeah but the
0: ultimate fighter. Helped.
2: Yeah, the ultimate fighter, big time. Um, just. MMA is a lot more widespread now. You know, back Mm -hmm. back in the day, it was called NHB and it was kind of underground and like you know there was one UFC a year maybe, and now there's like three a week and you can't (laughs) keep track of them. But you know it's on every major network and it's on pay per view and it's on online and everybody's talking about it and you know we're we're talking about it on this podcast and so it's it's much more popular now. But also jujitsu is kind of at the point now where it's it's kind of becoming popular as well, mm-hmm. aside from MMA. It used to be you did jiu-jitsu to fight, right? And now, now jiu-jitsu is kind of this growing sport on its own, and jiu-jitsu by itself is becoming more popular, and then the, the no-gi stuffs becoming more popular. There's guys making big money in events like EBI and Abu Dhabi, and then they get popular in their teaching. So it's just it's just a lot more mainstream now than it was 20 years, even 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think— I mean, I might have heard of it before you, but then I was like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: the, And that's a big thing. You know, like the big differences are there's, you know, so much more to the internet. Right. I mean, you know, when we were first, like there really wasn't YouTube when James was
2: first doing jujitsu. YouTube used to have like a 14 second video limit. Like it was,
1: oh my god! Like it was
2: like, it was almost like, just like, like the Vine little clips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like yeah. Vine. But.
1: <laughs> but not that popular. Um, and then, um, you know, like we had, Web TV was our internet. So it wasn't like we were really getting to like watch videos. Yeah. Same with like the podcasts and and even just, you know, I post all the time about our, our women's training. So Mm -hmm. people are, you know, they see it, they feel more comfortable with it. They understand a little bit more about what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really helped it to grow for sure. And talking about, you know, helping to spread the word and talking about all the different reasons you might do jujitsu. Like people might think that you do jujitsu to fight. Mm -hmm. um, And that's just not why most people do it anymore. Do you know that the fastest growing demographic right now in jujitsu is women between 40 and 45 starting jujitsu? My people. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome. Like, Women starting jujitsu between 40 and 45 is the fastest growing demographic. That means I'm going to get some fights, right? (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think that's so cool. I think that's really cool. So everyone that's like, man, I'm too old to start that. You're not, you're just not.
0: Well, and I think too, like at that age, there was no wrestling in high school for girls. And I mean, I, so I remember when I started playing basketball, like why basketball? There was no girls' team on why basketball yet. Like if you wanted to play, you played on the boys' team. Yeah, you showed up and you just, just played. did it. Yeah, like that was it. And that's so awesome. Yeah, there's and so I much love opportunity. how much
1: like the the girls wrestling is growing. Yeah, like we have a lot of girls that are out of jujitsu right now because they're in wrestling season. That's amazing. That would have never been a thing yeah. five years ago. And yeah. now all these girls are wrestling and they're going to grow up and do jujitsu and murder all of us. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> My mom was horrified that I would play football at recess. I can't imagine if I came home and said, I want to do jujitsu. jitsu right. It looks a lot like wrestling, mom, but we wear pajamas. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine.
2: And, and we choke people and yes. try to, yes. try to it's, break it's, their <laughs> limbs.
0: Yeah, it's way more awesome.
1: I'll never forget my mom going what happened to my little dancer? <laughs> like, well. It's just a different kind of choreography. It's just, yeah, it's just different. It's just different. <laughs> and one thing, you know, like, just from the female perspective that I really like about jujitsu versus, like, growing up in dance, jujitsu is very body positive. Like, mm-hmm. you you use your body. It's a weapon, you know, like, but dance was – You've got to be smaller. We're going to order these costumes too small for you so that you have to lose weight to fit oh into them. Gosh. You know, like just stuff like that, that uh-huh. just, you know, there's a lot more body positivity in jujitsu. I
0: like that a lot. Yeah, I do too. Like I've, I've crushed it. I've people. got it. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. use it. it. And- <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. I was doing a kind of like semi-private the other day with two girls and, you know, the one girl outweighs me. And so she's like trying to be real light on her partner. And I was like, I guarantee you will never be as heavy as me. Like, yeah, you can try to be as heavy as you want. I will still
0: feel heavier. (laughs) Right. I will Um, attest to that. Right. Yes. (laughs) So what made you randomly pull over and ask this guy about starting jujitsu there?
1: At that point in time, James wasn't working. He was on disability from an incident that had happened just a week and a half before the grand opening of the school. Uh, so it was it was leap year, which means it was 9, 10, 11, 12 days before. So 12 days before the first IBJJA opened, James had gotten shot in the head. And so it was just a real wake-up call of, like, life's too short. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be working in a... Factory all your life it's not what you want to do, so let's figure out what we can do different. you know and I think it was I think I think we opened the school in August, which was right when you went back to work. So it was just you know like let's start working on on what we want our life to be like
0: You're working full time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: James has been shot. Mm-hmm. You're going to open this school. Mm-hmm. yeah so how are you managing all? Of that, because that's just giving me anxiety, right? About it. Well, first
1: of all, I so I worked for Charles Schwab at the time. Okay. Um, I was, a, I was their youngest stockbroker they'd ever had, which was I liked saying way more than I liked doing. Uh-huh. Um, it's <laughs> <so> a <laughs> slightly stressful job, but amazing company to work for. They were so good and they had this thing called a time for giving where they. Other people donated me their sick time and their vacation time so that I could help James like Mm -hmm. surgeries through all his doctor's appointments. Like I didn't miss anything. Also, like opening the school was basically just consisted of James going and teaching classes Mm -hmm. because we didn't know anything else. Right. Like we knew nothing, even though I took business classes in high school and the one year of college I did, I knew, we knew nothing about running a business. So it was literally just like, if you build it, they will come. Uh-huh. That's what we thought. Yeah. Oh, you know? like surely. Right. Um, so, you know, all of the stuff that I do now, if I worked a full-time job too, it would be crazy. But then it was just, he went and taught classes and people paid or didn't. And- <laughs> Because we were paying like a percentage of what we were bringing in, uh-huh. it would always be cash positive. Oh, nice. So it was easy. Yeah. Um, so that kind of took a lot of the stress away. And then it was giving him something that he enjoyed doing and, yeah, kind of building. I The one thing I always knew is that I wanted to own my own business. Like mm-hmm. growing up, I thought it was a dance studio. I thought I wanted to own a dance school. Um, Jiu-jitsu is not that much different. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> primarily adults instead of children and it's primarily men instead of women that's those are the big differences right. but other than that it's pretty much the same um but uh so I always knew I wanted to own my own business so it just kind of put us on that path Yeah. so it wasn't that part wasn't really that
0: stressful okay that's great because I that is completely not what I expected I would just be like well I'd be a mess
1: <laughs> we didn't we didn't we were young too. remember well, like yeah. right so we yeah were, we were too ignorant to be stressed <laughs> about it now <laughs> flash forward a little bit and um <clears throat> you know we we lost everything to keep the school open because we were young and ignorant and didn't know what we were doing and so I was working full-time plus some part-time jobs James was working you know his job, part-time jobs, all that, you know, we we're doing everything we could to keep the school open, but we lost everything. We lost our house. We lost his car. We were taking cold showers because we couldn't afford our gas bill, like literally. And, and when we, when we got, when we had to leave that Taekwondo school and open up a place of our own, which no longer had that safety net of just, mm-hmm. you know, paying a percentage of what we made, we had a conversation and I was like, I'm willing to give up everything but you for this. You know, like our relationship cannot be a problem, but whatever else doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, that's what it took. It took us giving up everything. So then, yes, that was a very stressful time because we still didn't really know how to run a business or build a business or, you know, any of that stuff. We just knew how to work really hard, yeah, and put everything we had back into the business. And so we were lucky my uh, stepdad had a little teeny tiny, like teeny-tiny house for us to rent. so so small. <laughs> so, small. <laughs> so we went from like 17,50 square feet to about 700 square feet, and um, we were there for several years while we
0: got our act together. At any point in time, were you like, "I'm done. I'm just gonna go back to work no, for man." I don't and, think so. No.
2: I, I will tell you, like I, I told the story to somebody the other day, but waking up in that tiny little house every day was just a reminder of what had happened, and it was mm-hmm. it was almost motivating. Like every like literally, I'd wake up every morning for seven and a half years, and I'd go, "I hate where I'm at. Yeah. I hate being here." It was just. was terrible (laughs) but you know we once we we you know we met we met our 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 coach scott turned our lives around like he really showed us how to how to start running a business like a business and how to actually make some money doing (laughs) doing what we love doing (laughs) um but it was in it was in that seven and a half years when when we were able to kind of like really turn our lives around you know and um even though i hated being there we i was like oh well we're, we're actually not going to be here forever. I can, <laughs> we can see I, yeah, the light. We yeah. can see the yeah. light. So.
1: And we knew like it, we were already in far enough into the academy that we saw people's lives changing. Mm-hmm. You know, we had already heard like a guy who, you know, called and was like, honestly, the intro class just saved my life. Like, you know, just little stuff like that, that it was just like, this is where we're supposed to be. And even though like things are kind of falling down around us,
0: this is what we're supposed to be doing. We just have to keep pushing forward. So let's go back to the intro class, save that guy's life because I don't know if jujitsu could save my life
1: right now. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on, I guess who you. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So he did the intro and he he might've even done another class, but, but one day he was just like, Hey man, like I work uh, loss prevention and, um he's like what if somebody has a weapon what what Mm -hmm. if somebody has a knife and we sat down and worked man not maybe 20 30 minutes just on like just control like just Uh some real simple basics none of this like crazy like you know waving the knife and flipping it and (laughs) re-stabbing them and it was like you know just some like hey let's let's get a hold of the wrist let's let's get into this position where we can effectively control the situation and sure enough like i don't know how how many weeks went by And he had been to a couple classes, you know, within that time frame, but someone shoplifted. He tried to stop them and they pulled a knife and attacked him. Oh my gosh. And he, he was able to control the knife, take the fight to the ground, dominate the position where he could not be attacked and was able to hold the person down until the police were able to come and arrest him. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, all right. You know, it's just, it's just. You know, not that that's little stuff, but like, but like it, right. was, it was, it was, it was those kind of things that we were just like, oh, we can't stop.
2: You would think you would join the academy after an amazing think? experience like that, right. but, but He didn't. He didn't.
1: He knew all he needed to know. He right? knew he yeah. could. <laughs> like, he could defend against a knife attack. What more did he need? Right.
2: <laughs> Saved your life after two weeks, man. Imagine what two years will do. No kidding.
1: <laughs> oh, people are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it briefly on the podcast before, but I would like for people to hear from you what you kind of grade on from a like promotion standpoint. So we don't do testing at the school. I always say, you know, Coach James works with you. He knows when you're ready to level up. So like to have you kind of talk through that.
2: Yeah. Um, So I always talk about four pillars, uh, kind of six, but uh, the main four time in level of knowledge, uh, how well do you roll? How well do you compete? So one thing is with those pillars, like if one is weak, the other three have to compensate. If two are weak, the other two have to really, really compensate. Um, so time in, you know, like I typically with us, white to blue takes about, about 12 to 24 months. So 18 months on average, then the other belts, you know, there's blue to purple is always the longest belt, purple to brown, brown to black, you know, there's, there's years in between those typically. So time in, yeah.
0: Why, why is blue to purple the
2: longest, typically? Uh, blue belt's kind of where you at. Blue belt, you have a decent foundation, and then you kind of expand on that foundation. So, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in in having a, a strong foundation. The stronger your foundation, the the higher you can build a, a building, right? Like mm-hmm. the taller the skyscraper, the the deeper the basement. Um, so that blue belt getting getting to blue and then blue to purple is kind of like like building the foundation and then mastering the foundation. Um, And then you're just, you're adding to it along those lines. But uh, that's why there's a lot of talk. People think there should be another belt in there to kind of like chop up that like white, blue, purple area, but just be a blue belt for a while. You know, I, so I, I tell people I I had my blue for four years, pretty much to the date, like four years to the month. I competed in every tournament possible. Um, I went two years without even losing a match. At one point, uh, maybe a few like open weights, but like in my weight, like I won every tournament I went to for two solid years and that was year two to three or one. Yeah. From one year into three years in. So I still had another whole year before I ever even got promoted again. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and that was training six days a week. Like my students don't train as hard as I trained when I yeah. was a blue belt. They don't compete <laughs> as much as I competed when I was a blue belt for the most part, you know? <laughs> The blue belt's just—it's just a long belt. it's just—I don't know. It's how it is.
1: <laughs> it's a lot to live up to, guys. It's a lot to live up to. <laughs> yeah.
2: Six days a week, compete every weekend for four years. I do you my You might best. get a stripe, <laughs> maybe a stripe. Um, but yeah. Oh, so yeah, time in level of knowledge. Obviously, like like anything, you have to know the techniques. You have to be able to teach it. You know, you can you can roll great, and that's fine. But if you can't show somebody a basic move or have an idea of what you're actually trying to do then you're not going to get ranked, you know, Mm -hmm. rolling. Obviously, you know, jujitsu is not like some of the other martial arts, like in, in traditional martial arts, you can, you can do your katas and you can kind of know the moves, but never, not one single time ever put them into practice. So you never have to actually hit anybody or get kicked or anything. And you can get a black belt. Jujitsu is not like that. Jujitsu, you have to be able to use it effectively against someone who also knows it, or at least against somebody who doesn't know it. Maybe, I don't know, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but uh, you've you got to be able to use it, and then you know, I, when, when I started jiu- Jitsu, it was to compete, and, and that's what everybody was. Like if, if you were one of the guys that didn't compete, you were the weirdo. you really? know? Oh yeah, like if somebody was like, "I don't think I want to compete," we're like, "Oh well, then we don't want to train with you because something's wrong. <laughs> <Like> you, <laughs> I, I don't know. I know you have an infection or something. I don't, I don't want to touch you. <laughs> but you know, it was like everybody in the room, yeah. did jiu-jitsu to compete in some form or another. And it's not like that now at all. You know, mm-hmm. like probably 80% of our people don't want to compete, but I force them to. They're going to. You don't force them to. I do. <laughs> at least once. It, at least once or you, twice.
1: Yeah.
2: Per year. Um, <laughs> so now we have a lot of guys that don't compete, a lot of guys and girls. Yeah. Probably. Yeah.
1: I mean, my women mostly all oh, yeah. compete. Like yeah. yeah.
2: But, uh, you know, so competition is usually that one that's either super strong or super weak. So if, if you go out and you compete and you smash everybody, you can get away with not being the most technical guy in the world. If you go out and compete and you lose constantly, well, you're going to have to have a little more technical knowledge. You're going to take a little longer between belts.
1: That's me. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and then, you know, we, we, pillar five and six are just um, continual improvement. Like, you know, we're all going to get to that point where we're not, able to physically improve we're not getting faster you know i'm 40 now so like I'm, I'm getting slower and weaker by the day and i'm super slow and weak already so but i'm always trying to learn new jiu-jitsu i'm always trying to make what i already know better um and then number six is just just don't be a turd bag like just, <laughs> just be a decent human being <laughs> and oddly enough that's super hard for people like
0: yeah that might be compass. the hardest
1: <laughs> yeah moral compass So, I mean, ideally, we wouldn't want anyone to, you know, carry a high rank under us um, or under him. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that flies his flag. Yeah. That isn't a good person. Right. So, you know, on rare occasions, someone might slip through the cracks or someone might change Mm -hmm. uh, deep in. But typically, like, that's, you know, those types of people don't make it that far with
0: us. So, yeah. What are you working on right now as part of your continuous
2: improvement? Me personally? Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm doing a lot of fifty-fifty stuff right now. And then I'm I'm working in deep half. So deep half guard is like my it's the one thing I've just never really sat down and messed with a ton. I've got a handful of moves and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing some deep half stuff. Um and then deep half into fifty fifty. Um, and then we've been working a little bit of the the little chair sweep to Carolina, I think it's called. Um just some stuff. With that, also working into fifty-fifty. Uh, so that's about it. Top-wise, still doing some high-collar passing stuff. My DVD should be out.
0: We'll have a link, link to, that to that in the show notes. notes. Yes, yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, what else?
1: I really like the high-collar passing. That's some of my favorite yeah.
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing a lot of that. but The DVDs filmed. So like, yeah.
1: So now you need to like move on to what is
2: next. First, I'm <laughs> trying to. <laughs> that's funny. This is why you write your game plan down, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you decide what you're going to work on next?
2: Well, sometimes something fun just falls in my lap and I go, that's what I'm going to do. Other times I have a glaring weakness like Mm -hmm. deep half. So, you know, people come to me with questions and I'm like, I don't know the answer. So I guess I'm doing deep half card for the next six months, (laughs) you know? Um, But, you know, so like with stuff like that, like I'll go to trusted. People, you know, deep half, you know, guys like the Mendez brothers, Ryan Hall, guys like that. I'll I'll look at some of their instructional. And I will tell you, like, typically if I watch instructional, very rarely do I mimic their game. Mm -hmm. I'll see what their concepts are. Um, I might steal a technique here and there, but I just kind of put it into my own game. Yeah. Like I go, well, yes, I see all these things you're doing, but I'm going to do those things that fit into the way I already play. So... Typically what, you know, I, I throw a bunch of like different, different instructionals into my little blender and what comes out is completely <laughs> different.
1: James has an amazing memory too. Like, I'm pretty sure if you asked him about nationals in 1998 in California, he could tell you every match <laughs> of mine. Yes. Not of the whole tournament, but of yours, like step-by-step step, everything that happened. It's insanity. I don't have a memory like that. I really wish I did. Like, I'll come off the mat after a match, and James will be like, what happened? I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> I
0: think I, I just win I blocked or lose? Mine no.
3: out. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and some, sometimes just your emotional state during the match. When When it's a slow match and you're winning and you're calm, it's easy to remember everything that happens. But when it's like a high-intensity, yeah. like... I hurt my back and <laughs> I want out of this match the whole time. And you know, you stop focusing on, on what's happening or, or you turn into like that survival mode where that's mm-hmm. what you're thinking of is like, just don't die. Yeah. It's, it's much harder to, to remember. You know, I, I had a match in 97 and honest, I can remember bits of the match, but what I remember <laughs> is just pain. This guy, like literally, like I always say, it reminded me of the old Tom and Jerry cartoons when like, Cherry's the mouse, right? When he takes the, he gets like the super potion, and he's a muscular mouse, and he like grabs Tom and just like bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> That's what this match felt like. The oh guy chipped gosh. like six of my teeth. Like it was, hor- I hurt my shoulder. Like he was just, he manhandled me. I remember sweeping him into mount one time. And other than that, I have I just remember him like crushing me, and I don't know what happened. Like oh it gosh. was horrible. I lost. I know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we're a little longer into our normal format, but um, I, you brought up emotional state during a match. And I know, obviously, that you've had some issues with anxiety um, that you didn't even have until you were a black belt. And I also know how much you telling that story to our students has helped them through some things. Um So I'd like for you to kind of talk about, like, how did the anxiety start? How did you get past it?
2: Oh, yeah, I do know. I I was like, I don't know when it started. I do. I can pinpoint exactly the day it started. Um, So I was on an airplane flying to Florida uh, via Pennsylvania or something. I don't even know where it was going. But uh, I was going actually to get certified as an Abu Dhabi referee. And um, we get to cruising altitude. And I was like, man, my. Ear hurts really bad. I had a little ear infection getting on the plane. Didn't think much of it. Starts burning, burning, burning. I'm like doubled over, just holding my face. And then all of a sudden, no pain. And I was like, cool. And then I realized I couldn't move my face. My whole left side of my face was completely paralyzed. Couldn't close my eye. Like I'm drooling. I'm like, oh my God, like I just had a stroke so I, I you do a little stroke test, you know, moving my hands, getting them above my head, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm answering all the questions. I take my pulse. I'm like, not a stroke. I had an ear infection, cabin pressure pushed the infection in, you know, it, it pinched my seventh cranial nerve. I've got Bell's palsy. Like I completely justified it. I, I, I understood exactly was happened. I was like, no big deal. Turned to the guy next to me who was with me, um, and also a huge. Uh, part of my stress um and i was like hey i well it wasn't very clear but i was like (laughs) i'm not having a stroke i'm gonna go rinse my face off i'm fine so i go i rinse i'm rinsing my face off i'm kind of looking at it and i'm like everything will be okay no big deal not i'm not panicked at all completely calm i come out i'm talking to the flight attendant telling her what's going on but i can hear the guy like uh you know, he got shot in the face and he's like kind of telling her. And so I come out, I was like, Hey, I'm okay. No big deal. Um, This is what's happening. And then I'm, and I'm kind of laughing about it, you know? And then all of a sudden I get real dizzy and I was like, Whoa. So I sit down and then my heart rate starts going. And then I'm like, just things are going haywire. And I was like, this is horrible. Uh, So they break, like, you know, we're on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) So they've got the defibrillator out and they're like, I don't mean to scare you but just in case I'm like you're fine whatever and uh like I'm I'm like pouring sweat and like they had ice on my neck and ice on my hands and they had oxygen on me and I'm just sitting there and I remember like everything going black like it was like when you get choked and you're starting to black out like that's what was happening and I was just like this is it like i'm probably gonna die we are 40 minutes from landing like i'm literally gonna be dead on this plane and i just i remember like the second everything went dark boom i snapped out of it and i was like oh my god i'm freezing get this ice off me and oh my god like vision came back i was kind of normal my face was still kind of numb and they came and they sat with me and they were like like uh filling out paperwork and stuff and as I was talking to the girl you know my speech was real slow and then it Uh just kind of gradually cleared up and everything went away
0: so
1: you
2: weren't on that no
1: no so imagine like (laughs) uh, you know getting a call from like you know
2: so I called her from the ambulance as soon as we landed oh my
1: god (laughs) yeah yeah and, you know, like obviously I wasn't with him and he got shot either. Mm-hmm. Um, so now after this, I never want to let him out of my sight. Right. You know, like, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, the the hospital I, w- I went to, the guy was just like, ah, it's your sinuses. And I'm like, this has never happened before. Are you crazy? And was it
0: all as the, a result of the ear infection then?
2: So I think so. They they couldn't pinpoint it, and the, so the doctor was like, "You don't have an ear infection." I'm like, "Well, I had one when I got on the plane." <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "No, no way." And I'm like, "No, I'm telling you." Uh-huh. So I I'm sure it's what it, it pushed it in. It affected the the nerve in my head. Wow. But so I called uh you know I called my my surgeon, the guy that yeah. my, the nose and throat doctor, and he's like, "Yes, it could be the sinuses, you know, because of the pressure. They could be they could be pinching that nerve. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah." Um. So I literally, we had to walk like three miles in the snow because <laughs> that hospital doesn't have a pharmacy and get nose spray. Oh and my that, gosh. And the nose spray was enough to clear it up. And I was, right? yeah. I yeah. was okay. Um, yeah. So made it, <laughs> did all that, made it back to the airport in time to get on my next flight to Florida, which was a longer one. Oh, um, and he didn't
1: have a coat in Pennsylvania because yeah. he was going to Florida. Right. So yeah, I yeah. didn't have a coat when he was walking around.
2: Um but yes, yeah, so, but after that, I kept having like anxiety attacks I, and I didn't know what was happening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we were like, man, am I stroking out? Like my hair's always standing on edge. Like I'm, I'm like jittery. Like I, I felt like I was on drugs, you know, I was like kind of like tweaking out all the time. Yeah. I was like, ah, nah. <laughs> I'm not like pacing in the driveway. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh! Like it, it just got bad for, for a while. Yeah. So I didn't fly for years and years and years. And then even, even once I started flying again, I would still have that. Mm -hmm. Like we'd hit cruising altitude and my face would start going numb and I would have to, you know, I I still to this day, I keep sinus spray and eardrops on me. And I've never had, uh, it's been years since I've even had a little bit of an issue, but- I make sure my sinuses are clear. Every he just time. recently yeah. took his first <laughs>
1: flight without me since that one yeah. a decade ago or more well over a decade ago. So I was yeah. I was a little nervous uh-huh. having him fly without me, but it went
0: fine. I was so. good. <laughs> well, I think you were pretty motivated to make that trip. Yes. Yeah, so cool yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell us that about, was... about that <laughs> trip
2: a little bit? Um, yeah. So one of my very absolute favorite bands is Tool, uh, the lead singer of Tool, also lead singer of uh, Perfect Circle, Pussifer. He's been in a bunch of bands. Uh, a guy named uh, Maynard James Keenan uh, does jiu-jitsu. He actually owns a jujitsu school down in Arizona, blah, blah, blah. He owns like 7,000 businesses, but I've always just kind of had like this little bucket list. Like I'd like to train with Maynard. That would be really cool for me. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a selfish jujitsu thing. Right. (laughs) And, um, so I've tried a couple of times, like a, a good friend of mine, Dan Camarillo, uh, Dan's buddies with him. Uh, Maynard always trains with like Dan and his brother, Dave. And, Dan hit me up the other day and was like, so, well, Tool's just here, mm-hmm. and I, I messaged Maynard <laughs> on, on Facebook on his little account, and I was like, hey, bro, <laughs> I'm Dan's buddy if you want to train, and, you know, he didn't get back with me. I'm like, whatever. Um, so, Dan calls me. He's like, hey, Maynard just hit me up and wants a private before the Tool concert in Fresno, California. I was like, I didn't even reply. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just mad because I couldn't go. I was like, nah, not good. <laughs> so, he waited like four or five hours and then he just replies, Are you dead? <laughs> and I, I was like, No, I just can't make it. And he's like, Well, I haven't asked yet. And so, he's like, Figure out if you can make it or not. So, I was like, Okay. So, AJ and I talked and we're like, You know what? We, I can make it. Like, yeah, no big deal. I can make it out there.
1: No way was I not, right? To make sure he got out there. No yeah. way.
2: Um, so, so yeah, so I, uh, text Dan back. I was like, you know, ask him, <laughs> make, sure, <laughs> make sure it's cool. And, yeah. And then, and then I'll go ahead and, and make it out there. And like, I mean, I don't even think two minutes went by and Dan sends me a thing like, you know, yeah, hey, that'd be great. So book a flight, fly out there. Dan picks me up the airport, crash his place. Uh, he actually worked a half day the next day. So we about lunchtime, head out, eat lunch, get to the venue, we went to the mall for a little bit first and walked around. <laughs>
1: Important information. <laughs> Important part of the story. Right. Um,
2: Dan's cool. I like hanging out with him. Um, but yeah, I get to the venue and, uh, you know, met uh, met the head security guy who I, I'd actually seen fight multiple times. Like he used to fight in Indiana. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, we, we knew a lot of the same people and stuff. And then we go in this little back room and... Uh, Manor comes in already in full gi and everything, and we do a little lesson. And uh, you know, Dan taught. I mainly just got choked and armbarred. And nice. Got to show him a few things. Uh, he did put me out at one point. Uh at the end we were he was videoing like what, what he had uh-huh. gone over. And uh one of them just it was side control, moving to north and south, good shoulder pressure on the neck, moving into the armbar. And he's doing it super slow mm-hmm. because he's like kind of talking his way through it for the for the video. And I'm super relaxed because and yeah. just laying there being the dummy. And I was like, oh wow, his shoulders tight. I'm kind of fading. I was like, well, he'll he'll get to the arm bar soon. I'll be good. And then he goes for the arm bar, and I'm like, oh, I kind of I kind of kind of wake up a little bit and it, there was just this moment of like, oh, it was all a dream. No, it's not. <laughs> I was like, dude, you totally had me out.
3: <laughs> oh my but, gosh. But
2: yeah, super cool guy. Just, just uh, you know, he seemed very down to earth, like real cool. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the jujitsu lesson. Um, we got some cool like backstage passes. We got great seats to the concert. Like nice. it was amazing. Um, yeah, definitely yeah. one of my jujitsu selfish highlights, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, So real,
1: so real fast, fast, just kind of going back to the anxiety thing. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk specifically about the bullpen when, when you had that moment. I think that's.
2: So number one, before, before the bullpen, even I was sitting around the house one day and I was thinking about the anxiety attacks um, because, you know, people kept saying, oh, you have a panic attacks, you're anxiety attacks. And I was like, I'm the most like calm person you've ever met in your life. Even my doctor was like, you are not the type. And I was like, I'm not like, I don't, I don't get anxious. I don't get, you know, I, this doesn't happen to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm better than that. <laughs>
1: um, Side note, I had had panic attacks, you know, in the past from, and it was, it's nothing you would ever wish on someone else, but something you're kind of almost relieved. Like now you understand, right now you get it. Like, yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic.
2: But yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, you know, just kind of thinking about the panic attack and I started started getting dizzy and i started blacking out my hair i was like oh and then it was like i just did that to myself
3: mm-hmm.
2: i just forced myself into this panic attack like i thought it and i gave myself a chemical imbalance like you know it was mind over matter in the wrong direction Uh huh. and so i sat there and i just pulled myself out of it
0: how did you do that
2: i just said don't be a sissy like legitimately, like, it was like, don't be weak. You're being a weak person. Stop being a weak person, ultimately. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, really, I was just, I just, you know, I just kind of rationalized. I was like, you just did this to yourself. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing here. Like just calm down, breathe, a lot of breathing. And I pulled myself out of it and I was like, cool. So I sat for a minute, kind of shook it off. I was like, man, I feel good. Okay, let's do it again. Started thinking about it. I forced it on, I forced it a little deeper that time. Did all the same stuff, breathe, happy thoughts, don't be a punk, pulled <laughs> <Hold> myself <laughs> so out of it. So I sat and I did it six times. And each time I let myself get deeper and deeper into it until like that sixth time, I almost couldn't make myself go into it anymore. But I was like, holy smokes, like this revelation, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to myself. It's mm-hmm. not some weird outside anything. It's it's literally all in my head. And I have absolute control over what's in my head. Um, So I I cleared it. Like I I didn't have them for a long time. And then I would have them pretty much only like every once in a while it'd be something weird. Like I would be standing there talking to somebody and I'm blacking out for no reason at all, you know? Oh
0: my gosh. Um,
2: But like it was, you know, it it was one of those things where it was happening every day. And Uh then it went to like once every six months or something. But I was having them when I would compete just be, you know, now I've got all this crazy external stress and, um, also flying. Um, once I start flying again, I'd have it a little bit second, second master worlds. And, uh, I'm in the bullpen, uh, which is where they, you know, they kind of gather everybody right before you go to your mat. I'm first match of the day or first group. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I start like kind of trembling. I'm starting to like, <laughs> can't breathe. And my <laughs> mouth's getting dry. And I'm like kind of dizzy and, and I just stopped and I looked around and I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm out here competing at the pyramid, like all like black belts, as far as I could see, like that was all you could see, just all these amazing black belts, all these guys I looked up to. And I was like, this is really cool. And also I'm one of these guys, you know, like it's not, I'm not even like watching from a distance, like, Oh, look at all this. Here. Like I'm like standing there and I'm kind of like, kind of in the club, you know, and I just smiled. I just put a smile on my face. And I was like, I don't care what happens. Jiu-jitsu. jiu is easy. I do that every day. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, I'm fortunate enough to get out here to do this. And just looking at it that way, like that I'm fortunate and able to get out and do this. Like, nobody's making me do it. There shouldn't be pressure on competing, mm-hmm, right? It's, it's, you do it because it's fun and you're able to. So I get a, I get over to my mat and I'm kind of stretching out a little extra and, you know, just some, Little warm ups, and my buddy Ray, who was kind of cornering me, he comes up and he's like, All serious, he's like, hey, bro, are you okay? <laughs> you know, because he, he kind of knew, and I was yeah. like, just Couldn't stop smiling. I was like, Dude, I'm phenomenal. Like, you have no idea. And I went out and I had honestly one of the best matches of my life. I stuck with my game plan. Also, I accidentally registered up and wait. <laughs> and so, you know, and I was, this was right before I went to Master Two. So I'm like, the oldest guy in the bracket, and the by far the lightest guy in the bracket, because I'm basically competing up two weight classes. Because I'm a light middleweight, and uh, I had a great match. I hit the takedown I wanted. Everything in my game plan worked the way I wanted. Minus this guy was just better than me. Mm-hmm. He was faster, stronger, younger, and better at jujitsu. Like I'd do a move, he'd counter. I'd counter. He'd counter. I'd counter. He'd counter. I'd counter. He'd counter. And I didn't have any answers for that. Yeah. Like he just he he extended my game plan as far as my knowledge base went. He beat me. He won, he won the match in the end, but it was a close match. And he went on to smoke the next guy, like, just murdered him. And then he lost on a ref decision to a three-time world champion the next match. Wow. Um, and then two weeks later, he won Abu Dhabi Pro Black Belt Division. So I felt great. I was like, wow, that, like, that was a good match for me. Like, it was a yeah. like, slim margin. Um, but it made me come back, and it just expanded on my game plan. I was like, okay, this guy did this when I got here. Nobody else has ever done that. So I, then I had answers for, you know, like three or four different positions of just places I had never been, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was awesome. But, you know, I still had a little anxiety here and there uh, competing. But these last few tournaments I've gone to, I've been pretty free and clear. Um, same with flying, you know, in, in flying, it, w- it was weird because I'd realized like I have no control. Yeah. Like what happened before that was on me. I know that was on me. That doesn't exist anymore. So any anxiety I have, like, I just have to let it go because either the plane's going to land safely or it's going to land not safely. Like (laughs) it's not on me at all. Like I I have zero control. So what happens happens. Right. But when I was going into jujitsu matches, my thought process had thought process had to be the exact opposite. I couldn't go in and go, whatever happens, happens. Cause that means I just either, I go and lay down and I, you know, yeah so whatever happens is on me.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I have to go out there be very intentful of exactly where I want to be, what I want to do. And I have to make it happen. If it doesn't happen, I tried no big deal. And so th- just, just kind of thinking about it that way, you know, like n- number one, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I get to do this. It's a, it's a privilege, you know, my things in my life are going in a direction that allow me to spend money and take time off and come compete. Right. So, and then I'm out here I, I want to do it. Otherwise I wouldn't spend my time and money doing it. And then it's just, it's just on me. When I go, I do it. And if things work out awesome, if they don't. I wake up the next day, I'm not hurt. Everyone still loves me the same or hates me the same. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there might be one guy that's like, I beat Glingerman.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) Post it on YouTube. That's actually how I started a YouTube channel because the only matches of me online were the few guys that beat me. And I
3: was like, "Hmm." That's good motivation. Yeah, that is good motivation. Like, I guess I gotta put
2: matches online now.
0: I'll just put a
2: highlight out. So this has been
0: great, but before we let you go, there's always one more thing. <laughs> Do you have any on the mat and off the mat tips for us?
2: No. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So I knew this was coming. I prepared and I didn't come up with anything. But as the conversation <laughs> went, I think you know, so often the on the mat and the off the mat tip are almost identical, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's because everything in jujitsu applies to both they apply on and off the mat. So I, I would say, you know, on the mat and off the mat, just, just enjoy where you're at. Be thankful that you're there. Be thankful. You're able to be there that you're in a place in your life that you're able to to train when you're on the mat. And, you know, I always tell guys like, like look around the room, nobody on the mat wants to be somewhere else. Everyone in in the room, this is where they've chosen to be. This is where they want to be. You know, there's no unhappy people there. Um, and then you know, off the mat's the same like if like just just be fortunate that you're you're where you're at and and if you're not happy where you're at, it's up to you to change it,
0: and I think with that, we'll just wrap it up, yeah, so where can people find us? You can connect with us well, first of all, if you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and subscribe so that you do not miss a new episode as soon as they drop and you can connect with us on Instagram at Beauty and the Gee Podcast, and I'm also hanging out there at Brassy Broad Jen.
1: And I'm AJ Klingerman. You can also find us on Facebook at Beauty and the Gee Podcast, and you can join our group, Beauty and the Geek Gang, and of course, subscribe to our YouTube, which finally has some videos on it with some techniques, so good sometimes sometimes that gets hard for me like I get in my own head a little bit even though I coach so much against it I just I get in my own head a little bit so sometimes it's hard for me to do those videos but we finally have some videos out there
0: yay Yay. and we love hearing from you so send us a dm on instagram let us know if there's any topics that you want to hear us cover in future episodes just let us know what's on your mind and where you're listening and where you're training and what you're working on.
1: Yeah. And after listening to James today, I think uh, we're going to do a future episode on game planning. I think we should really dive into that a little more.
0: I think so so too.
1: Come back for that.
0: Exactly. And we'll see you on on the the mat.